Welcome back to Sit Down Startup Podcast. I'm Pedro. And I'm Tara. Glad to have you join us again. We continue to bring you conversations from fantastic entrepreneurs who solve real problems, disrupt traditional business, and put their customers at the center of their success. Since we can't meet in person, we match the entrepreneurs with Zendesk leaders for a virtual coffee chat. Our interviews will dive deep into fascinating stories of leaders building business to serve a diverse customer base, grow their business in the face of a pandemic, and building world-class companies. For this episode, our guest is Gilamig Malbach, founder and CEO at Lemlist. In his words, Lemlist is a cold email tool helping sales teams, agencies, and B2B businesses stand out in a crowded inbox by using creative automation and dynamic personalization. Limless was part of Zendesk incubation program and now serves more than 8,000 customers globally. Some notable customers include Amazon, SAP, and even Zendesk, along with other fast-growing startups. We match Gilaume with Prolini Udayan Kiaki, Vice President of Marketing at Zendesk in EMEA. With more than two decades of marketing experience, Prolini worked for fast-growing companies including Lotto Software, IBM, and Adobe. If you're curious about how to align your sales and support strategy, listening. Now, let's sit down and enjoy today's episode. It's wonderful to have you here. Can you tell us, I guess, to start off with, what is your favorite coffee shop drink? I guess because of my Italian origin, I'm just going to go with the espresso short one. Efficient, simple. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because I'm not a coffee drinker at all. I'm definitely a tea drinker. And one of the teas that I'm so into is the Kushimi tea from France right now. So Ooh, I'm nice. ordering that um, all the way through. New flavor, um, green tea. You should definitely check it out. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Fantastic. So can you share a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, yeah definitely. So I'm Guillaume. I'm French. You probably can hear it from my accent. <laughs> prior to founding Lemlist, I actually had an agency. And prior to that, I uh, initially I am a chemical engineer. So I worked for companies like Procter and Gamble and Hermes. And then I got a master in uh, in business and in uh, in marketing, where I started like launching companies. I started in B two C by uh, making a, a t shirt brand with my dad, and then uh, I got caught up in B two B, and here I am. <laughs> the motivator for that because that's interesting like starting off in chemical engineering and then moving across that's quite a shift yeah definitely so initially like uh, actually I was uh, I started doing entrepreneurship when I was uh, doing my uh, my master's in engineering where we launched um, a small project where it was about like captors and everything and I got really into entrepreneurship but I thought that I wanted to know a bit more about the business side so I went to like a business school where I started learning about marketing and from there, uh, because my dad is a designer and I wanted to apply everything I learned, I decided to launch a business with him. So t-shirt business, very simple, but it was like pretty cool. And uh, one of my partner actually who worked for uh, quite a lot of time uh, for companies in B2B, like Publicis, etc., uh, decided to launch a project and he needed like someone to help him out. So we launched actually our agency together and it was a lead generation agency. And this is where I kind of got into sales and into B2B. And, uh, and after that, essentially, after testing like all the product on the market and knowing how customer acquisition was a struggle for companies, 
I decided to launch uh, Lemlist. With COVID-19, it's affected all our businesses and we've had to think very differently to the way that we approach customers and the way that we do prospecting as well. What would you say right now in the pandemic that we've been experiencing, especially as we've been coming out of it, what would you say is acceptable prospecting in this um, in this time? For me, it's like the, the right time for prospecting just because, you know, it, it goes back to the essence of sales prospecting. So for me, like selling is about like helping out people. So usually when you go, it's like uh, you have a solution to offer to a problem. People who stop prospecting for me, it means that they, they've stopped believing that they can help people. And in a time of crisis, people are going to face new challenges. So actually, they're going to need help. Um, the way to prospect, however, should change a bit because I know a lot of people tend to have, I would say, like, or might have some shady approaches, you know, when it comes to to sales being a bit too pushy, etc. Uh, however, I think like the good salesperson are the one who are like empathetic and really trying to understand the person they reach out to. And I think that's kind of the way you should proceed. And the best way to do that is to first get in touch with your existing customers uh, with the COVID, actually, we've seen a lot of people, especially in the SaaS world, trying to go away from their customers. You know, they were like a bit scared, you know, like, OK, it's a COVID. They haven't churned yet. So I'm just not going to contact them, not going to get in touch with them and cross my fingers and wait. However, I think it's really the right time to get to know your customers even better get in touch with them, do interviews and gather as much knowledge as you can. So whenever you're doing sales prospecting, you can have a totally different approach where you bring much more value a bit as a consultant to your prospect in order to start building relationship rather than just trying to push for the sales. That's awesome. And it's interesting because um, well before the pandemic and part of your business model is videos and what we've seen in the world where we can no longer as marketers do um, physical events or direct mailers, all the standard things that we used to be able to do. We've seen much more of an increase in videos coming through. How's that impacted um, your business in particular? Because this is an area that you've been focusing on and prospecting through that video approach for a couple of years now have you seen an increase coming through i mean it didn't really affect us so we have on average like a two digit month over month growth on the mrr and the couple of months have been really great for us like we, we keep growing exponentially um, the fact that we focus exactly you know on personalization being like superhuman with uh, essentially like the the videos uh, we've seen tons of really amazing results because as you mentioned you know it's a time where a lot of people are working from home and we kind of miss, you know, that contact with people and videos translate it in a really, really good way. So people have seen amazing results with that. Yeah, yeah and that's, I know that's one of the things that we've had to adjust at as Zendesk as well. Um, let's talk a little bit about, you know, obviously you're a customer of ours and we're also a customer of yours as well. Can you share a little bit about, you know, your team size? How did you start working with Zendesk? And obviously, as you grew, were you handling some of the tickets yourself early on when you first started the business? Yeah, definitely. So we're a very small team. We're about like 15 people and we serve around like uh, a bit more than 10,000 customers, mainly based in the US. So customers goes from a smaller startup up to companies like SAP, Amazon and my favorite one Zendesk, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> and essentially, like uh, when it comes to customer support, I think it's like I think for me, customers are like the best source for marketing, the best source for sales, the best source for pretty much everything. So obviously when we started, I think I did like a full-time customer support for about like a year and a couple of months prior to actually hire someone. Uh, just because, you know, I really enjoy talking to everyone, 
because every time you know like someone had an issue i was like okay this is a great idea for an article so i would write about it and create like tons of resources for it um, and then you know like get insights about your product about how to make it evolve make something people really want and really need so for me that was key and then now that we have actually our support team, I, uh, I, tend to, I try to do it at least like uh, once a week where I spend, I would say, like half an hour where I just go jump in and do customer tickets just because, you know, it's like it's still really nice to get a feel of how people react, how people interact, what do they need, etc. And I still, I still think that's something that uh, everyone should do, whether you're in marketing, in sales or you're the founder of a company. I think it's, it's something that takes, you know, like half an hour of your time per week. It's not not too much, but you get so much insight from it that, yeah, definitely something I would recommend. Yeah. Obviously, we've been using Limlist as a customer as well for about 12 months now. We started in the South region and then it expanded across all my European teams. How um, did you approach, you know, obviously being a Zendesk customer, how did you approach the team to consider us using the technology? So we're part of the Zendesk Incubator program also in, in Station F. So I had a chat actually with, um, uh, so Zendesk was organizing an event at Station F. And essentially, like, I kind of showed them what we could do with, uh, with our product, with the video personalization. So I sent them an email with uh, a, video pers- a personalized video that I made explaining like, how everything was, uh, was working. And uh, after that, I got in touch with Champs who thought, like, okay, we need to make a test. Uh, and we just started using it for events and then very quickly, like they're starting using it for sales prospecting in a region where it was difficult to get meetings and they got like 30 meetings out of a first campaign when it comes to, I think it was in Malta or something. So then, you know, it, it started like this and, and we kind of built the partnership from there. You know, obviously, as we've built that relationship and we're using each other's technologies and just the value coming through, we're obviously all playing the role of um, customer experience person today. And you spoke about your experience, you know, at initially looking at the support tickets and also as a marketer. What about the integration with sales? So how important do you see that integration between support and sales today? I think for me, like it's, it's very crucial because, you know, when you're building your personas or ICP, like ideal customer profile, you need to know a lot about your customers. And the thing is like you, whenever you're running like customer interview, like marketing can do, it's, it's not always the same as when people are talking to you either on the chat or sending support ticket, etc. because they would express themselves a bit differently. And I think that for salespeople, it's an amazing way to get tons of insights from the customer support team to really like adjust their messaging whenever they reach out to existing person, adjust also the persona for the marketing whenever they're writing content. And really like um, even sometimes, you know, like um, your existing customers are actually the one where you can take the most value from, because if you help them grow, eventually they would upsell to bigger plans and it would increase your revenue essentially. So I think for me, everything is linked. The entire customer experience, I would say, goes from the support up to the sales, up to the content you're writing. Everything should be unified, essentially. You've built a huge following on LinkedIn. And, um, <laughs> you know, you speak about, you know, you're, you're writing the content, you're doing so many areas. Talk to us a little bit about how you built that following and how you use that following as part of your marketing acquisition strategy today. At first, I'm going to be entirely honest. Uh, it was my mom who was liking my post. She was the only one. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and, and then it's just required like consistency. So 
I, I because I was chatting a lot, you know, with uh, our customers, I realized very quickly like people were facing similar challenge. So start from that day, I built a community on Facebook around sales automation, which is called the sales automation family, where people could share issues, problem, etc. And my goal was to be 100% focused on those issues and write uh, meaningful content and actionable, give actionable advice and tips on how to solve the issues people were facing. And once I saw that content was performing well, I just decided to transpose it to LinkedIn and start making posts, uh, whether it's uh, more about like entrepreneurship and our journey or more focused, you know, on, on sales and uh, acquisition tips. So I started like this and trying to engage again, engage a lot with our customers, engage a lot with my audience, etc., to know what content they liked. And then I started building from there because I love videos. I recorded like tons of videos again, started like very small with an iPhone. And now I have like a, a team that I hire, you know, like to record videos. So yeah, it's, it started like this. And last year, so in 2019, my post reached uh, more than 1 million people, which was like pretty good <laughs> on LinkedIn. That's awesome. Yeah. Like that, that's pretty, that's very, very remarkable. I want to touch on two things that you spoke about. One, it's interesting about families and how families can help you with those areas, especially as you establishing that early social presence. It's interesting when we were um, building out the morning show in the very early episodes, um, we built it on Vimeo as a platform and we were sharing it on Vimeo and we had the landing pages. And um, my husband said, oh, I wanted to send it to my dad. And he went into YouTube and he Googled it. And he said, P, where is it? I can't find it to send to my dad. And that's what actually um, resonated. It was like, and I was able to tell the team straight away, why is it not on YouTube? Can we please have it on YouTube? Because you can't send it to anyone. So sometimes like that bit, having your families involved in things does definitely make a difference. Um, you spoke a little bit about, you know, the content also that one point um, or over 1 million views that you're now getting for some of your posts. Can you share a little bit about like, you know, have you seen more support tickets come through as a result of um, having the more customers, but just greater volumes coming through? Are you using what channels you're using at Zendesk today? And have you seen that increase, especially over COVID-19? Yeah, definitely. So we see a lot of uh, of tickets like I mean, the number of tickets is is increasing with with our customers. I think that um, because we've been also producing a lot of content to help uh, our customers during the crisis to either like find new way and new approaches to get new businesses, etc. We've seen like the, the number of tickets increase. And to be honest, I think it's it's really a matter of I think pro, like processes are the most important part in pretty much every single part of your business. And for us, we're always like um, reevaluating the way we work. And when we see that, for example, people are asking a lot of times the same question, we're just not going to create a shortcut to answer that question we're going to try to fix the problem you know and uh, and so the customer support team has been really really helpful in helping also like our product team to go to the next level and build and adapt like features or messaging within the app to really like uh, help our customers ask less question i would say but it's it basically have a better customer experience overall i'm trying to train every customer support person would join us to be um, a sales acquisition expert, but I also like train them to really use our help desk and FAQ 
to put, you know, like the articles directly to each person, because I think that the issue we can find sometimes with the chat is people tend to get a bit lazy in searching an FAQ. <laughs> and I think educating your existing customers is also part of the job. And to do that, you know, sometimes it's like if someone asks something that's directly in the FAQ, you know, instead of answering him the question, you could just say, hey, like, thanks for reaching out. I hope that this article will be helpful. Please let me know if I can be of more help. And when they, they see the article, it's like, oh yeah, perfect. That's the answer I was looking for. The next time, you know, if they have an issue, they're just going to go on the FAQ and type for it because they know they can find it there. And I think that's important as well. Yeah. Great. And are you using, um, you know, obviously your live agents, as you said, are responding to that. Are you using AnswerBot to be able to provide that automated response as well? We don't really use bots uh, for now. Our product is evolving like really, really fast. So questions are also like changing all the time. And I think that once you have a bot, sometimes it's good like to have, um, I would say, a more stable product and features that don't evolve that much just in order, you know, like to to adapt a bit more. One of the things that we've had to do at Zendesk is really look at some of our um, products and um, models that we've had in place with COVID-19. So, you know, obviously customers are out there that are, that are in need right now and we offered a remote support bundle to help some of those customers over the next six months, um, you know, as employees were going remote and as they needed to be able to help their customers. Have you had to shift your business model in any way and what adjustments have you made to help the customer base? It really depends on the typology of customers because we saw people we were in in industry that were thriving. So for them, it was just a matter of, okay, how can I add more seats? So those are kind of the perfect customers. And for those, you know, we were kind of struggling. We really spent time with them just to understand, like, why were they losing customers? How can we help them, like, either... Um, I don't know, it could be adapt their plan based on, you know, like uh, what their, their current needs was and also like trying to help them build a new strategy and a new plan. In So all this, it, it could be like billed as consulting fee or whatever, but we don't do that. We just do that for free just because, you know, like we, we really care of our customers and our goal, it, it's really like the long-term vision. So I think what matters in this type of situation is really like to stick together with your customers uh, spend time, you know, doing the extra mile in, in giving them advice because sometimes, you know, like your knowledge is much more advanced than theirs. And just the fact that you're spending time with them, you know, and giving them advice can really help them boost their growth. And, and we've seen, we had like some really great success stories of people, you know, we were, were just like really in a challenging time. Uh, for example, they were offering, like we had a few teams offering like uh, trainings, you know, so or events and they could, couldn't do anything, you know, anymore. And so we started like writing and helping them, you know, finding the right platform to hold events online or how can you sell trainings online, etc. And and we saw a few companies, you know, who were really struggling just pivoting and finding a new market fit and just like exploding again. So which, which is quite nice. What do you think um, are some of the key attributes that make a successful entrepreneur? I think for me, like, uh, I know it's going to sound like maybe different than what other people say, but I think like kindness is super important. Like be kind to your team, be kind to your customer. I think it will pay off eventually because like when you're really kind with people, um, they usually like are happier and you know like they can share what they really think and what their real trouble is and you can really help them so being kind allow you to help more people and i think business and entrepreneurship is all about that for example in the in the early days 
um, we had like uh, a company that was like really, really struggling. Uh, and they didn't want us to, I mean, they didn't want us to do too much thing. Like we were kind of kind with them, you know, like helping them setting up their campaign, etc. And, uh, but they knew, you know, like they always wanted to pay us for the service we were giving, even though we were just like kind. And eventually, like, um, I, I spent a lot of time like helping them because I believed a lot in the, in the product and service that they were offering. So I spent a lot of time actually like writing uh, their own templates. So it's a thing that I never do, you know, but because, you know, like they were really kind, I, I just like decided to do that. And eventually, like uh, with the campaign we wrote, they got like, I don't know, for more than a hundred thousand. Uh, I mean, it was, yeah, a few hundred thousand worth of deals signed. And they were able to close like a massive round of fundings afterwards. And eventually, like, uh, they, they started, you know, like increasing the number of seeds they had with us. And now it's been like a, a long lasting customers, you know. And the thing is, like, initially, the reason why I did that was not because I wanted them, you know, like uh, I was not expecting them to increase the number of seeds or I was not trying to upsell them. It is just a matter of, OK, I like them. I wanted to be kind. And here it goes. Sometimes it doesn't bring you anything, but sometimes it does. And I think that's the beauty of it. That's great. And I think it also goes back to a couple of areas that you've touched on, you know, wearing the different hats as you played the different roles, you really did step yeah. into that's That's awesome. <laughs> uh, what advice would you give other entrepreneurs that are thinking about starting out and in particular, those that are looking to start out at this point in time where the world really has changed this new normal? I think that right now, actually, for me, it's like the, the land of opportunities, you know, because when you have a crisis, everything got shifted. So you, you will see like tons of people having new problems. You know that now, like, um, I think, I don't know what the percentage worldwide, but it must be more that above like 50% for sure that teams are going remote and they would will be remote for at least the end of 2020. So you're going to have like massive challenges when it comes to communication, to the way people like interact, etc. And the, the advice I would give to people also is to really like believe in themselves. Because whenever you're pitching your idea, like I remember when starting Lemlist, everyone was telling me that will never work. Like really, like literally, it's like, yeah, it's a competitive market. Who are you? What like, yeah, where do you come from? Like you haven't done 20 years in marketing or 20 years in sales. Like you're pretty much a nobody, you know, but I strongly believe that we had something. So believe in yourself just go for it and test. So for me, it's like, it's the same advice as uh, the OMS, you know, for COVID. So it's like test, test, test. <laughs> and only testing will give you the answer if it's work or not. And I think that's really sound key advice in believing yourself and not giving up. Was, was there times through the process when you founded Lemless that you did want to give up at any point in time? Yeah, of course. I think like um, for us, you know, we, I think, entrepreneurship because obviously i'm the ceo and co-founder but we're three three co-founders and my co-founders are a bit older so they have like much more experience they work in tech for like 30 years um and eventually you know at some point it was really challenging for us to have like a um, conversation because we had different vision about where we wanted to take the company to and it was really really difficult and for me it's like a marriage you know so you really need to work on communication at some point you know i was uh, we were like in in a very like bad points where it was very tough to communicate and you want to give up at this time but again you know it's for me communication is so key 
Uh, we even implemented something that I would never thought about, which is nonviolent communication, where you really have to talk about your feelings instead of talking about what people say. So, for example, because my co-founders are on the on the on the tech side, for them, you know, like um, the information that I send them, especially because we're remote. So if I ask a question. Um, and they have the answer, it's going to be yes or no. And sometimes, you know, when I, when I send them like messages of um, high importance, like, okay, let's say I have a customers who reported a bug. So I, I'm going to send them a message. They're going to fix the bug, but they're not going to warn me about it. Because for them, it's like, okay, they received the message, it's fixed. But for me, you know, it adds more pressure because I'm like, okay, like, do they really care? Are they really like present, etc.? And, you know, we had to discuss that and I had to tell them, you know, like, okay, in this type of situation, I'm feeling a lot of pressure. I'm feeling more stressed. Do you understand? So you have to be much more empathetic and, and discuss your feelings. And I think overall, like, it usually works. It's just a matter of patience and, uh, and communication and willingness to make things successful. That's a, um, a really, really great example and a great story. And I think it's important for everyone out there to think about it, especially as we're all remote. And I think empathy is something that's so super key right now as well, thinking about what that person might be on the other end, um, going through all the responses that you might not see because you're just in a different frame of mind at that point. Absolutely. And use emojis also if you're working remote. It's important. <laughs> that is so true. Definitely. I think on our Slack channels, we're using emoji. I think there's a lot of love heart and kissing ones coming out more than ever, which you would not normally do to your colleagues, but a lot of those ones to show that care and love. Um, last question for you. What's next for Lemlist? Uh, so for us, yeah, the goal is, uh, is to keep making our customers as successful as possible. So we're really like, we're heavily focusing on, uh, on the community, um, trying to really like always find what are going to be the next challenges, how, we, how can we make the best product out there to help our customers be more and more successful. Thanks for sharing your story, Ilami. Indeed, customer experience is everyone's job. I love your view on it, and I couldn't agree more when you mentioned that a good salesperson should always help customers and be as empathetic as they can. Prospecting is not that during this pandemic, but best prospecting techniques are. It's impressive to see Lemless growth during these uncertain times. Big congrats. We look forward to what's next for you and your community. Gilam's approach to rolling up his sleeves and still solving customer support tickets once a week is both inspiring and quite frankly smart. Doing this keeps him close to Lemless customers and their needs as the business grows. I also really like how he mentioned using sales and support channels to validate your ideal customer profile, especially since it seems customers behave more naturally in those channels than what you might get back from formal customer research. Tune in next week with Anthony Kelly, Chief Customer Officer at Glowfox, one of the fastest growing fitness software startups in Europe. And if you liked this episode, don't forget to rate us on your podcast of choice, maybe share with a coworker, keep us posted, we will love your feedback. And when Pedro and I are not recording this podcast, we are part of Zendesk for Startups. If you're a startup, go to www.zendesk.com forward slash startups and sign up to join our program. Qualified companies get six months free of Zendesk software for customer support, sales and customer engagement teams. They also get connected with our exclusive community of leaders and partners who are changing the landscape of customers' experiences. Talk to you next time. Stay hungry.